This podcast was recorded on the lands of the Wongal people and the Yagara Turrbal peoples. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. <laughs> Strap in. Buckle up. It's story time, folks. This is Australiana Rama. Warning, this episode contains some swear words. And look, general nonsense. Fair. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Hello, Maddie. Uh, you sound you ready bit, to tell Yes, you, say, you mm. sound a bit different. Where are you? I'm in Longreach and sound is different here. And that is the only reason why I sound different. Not because you forgot to Not pack because, your microphone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sound is different in the outback. That's true. That's true. I am very far away. So far away. From literally any other township. So, What an you know. exciting time. Yep. I am currently in the middle of Queensland, like the actual middle. And I am yeah. in Sydney, as, as always. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we're going to learn about a lady from the past. Are you ready? Yeah, that sounds exciting. <laughs> Her name is, sorry, a bird just flew out my window as I started the episode. I did hear that. Yeah, what the hell? It'll be fine. <sighs> I'm in the bush. It's a part of it. Okay. <laughs> Her name is Vida Jane Mary Goldstein. And she was born on the 13th of April, 1869. Wow. It was a long time ago. Mm. In Portland, Victoria. Her dad, Jacob, was Irish and Polish Jewish. And he arrived in Victoria in 1858 and settled in Portland. And he was a lieutenant and colonel in the Victorian Garrison Artillery. Righto. Mm-hmm. There you go. And her mum, Isabella, was the eldest daughter of Scottish-born squatter Samuel Proudfoot Hawkins. Strong name. A wild name, yeah. Um, the Goldsteins, the whole fam, moved to Melbourne in 1877, which is where the bulk of our story begins. So Vida's parents were Unitarian, which is a type of religious belief um, that kind of predates ag- agnosticism. And mm-hmm. basically they believed that um, God God exists, but God in Christianity is one single entity, so Unitarian, as opposed to the Trinity. So they don't believe in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they also reject the idea of original sin and like sins being the worst thing in the world. So it's kind of like a progressive hmm. religious movement. Sounds yeah. all right. Yeah. And so the family attended Scott's church and then later the Australian church where Dr. Charles Strong also went. And this is important because Charles was a social reformist 
and was actually deemed controversial a lot of the times because he was super progressive and basically believed that the economy needed to change and poverty could be fixed and he was against the Boer War. So he was um, a pacifist and all of these things. And so this family is kind of embedded in this culture of looking out for the poor and not fighting wars and stuff like that. That's cool. Yeah. Um, And he actually encouraged the Goldsteins to undertake social welfare work, Hmm. which is, yeah. So Vida's dad, Jacob, believed in welfare payments. However, he also believed that they should be handed out in, quote, scientifically organised ways and not just to anyone who needed it. So he was somewhat progressive, (laughs) but in this kind of old-timey framework where it's like, only if you really need it. Um, What does that mean? Yeah. So basically, like, you know, I, you have to fit a very specific category to justify getting money from the government. I mean, like Centrelink now? Yeah, exactly. Mm. I was about to be like the Liberal Party. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> and although he was a member of the Women's Hospital Committee, he actually did clash with his wife a fair bit. So Isabella is often described as a suffragist and feminist while Jacob is described as very opinionated and declared himself anti-suffragette. Oh, no. Yeah. However, he did encourage his daughters to pursue education and careers, but Isabella and Jacob did separate (laughs) in the end. They lived with each other until he died Mm. in 1910, but essentially this relationship was an interesting one. Yeah, conflicting ideas. Yeah, Isabella was like full progressivism and Jacob was like, "Mm, when I feel like it, (laughs) when it suits me. (laughs) So during all of this, Vida, their daughter, as well as her sisters, attended Presbyterian Ladies College between 1884 and 86. And she was actually there at the same time as Ethel Richardson, who was a famous author who published a work under Henry Handel Richardson internationally. She's very cool. We'll do an episode on her one day. But mm. just the cliff notes are queer, suffragette, psychic. Ooh. Yeah, so they went to school together. Fun. Okay. Mm-hmm. So these are the circles within mm-hmm. which Vida's like having her formative years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And although they were a fairly affluent family, Vida would often travel to the city with her mother and historian Claire Wright writes tagging alongside her mother goldstein saw the underbelly of melbourne's boom economy in the 1880s she never forgot the scenes of misery and turmoil in the slum houses where women tended to large families suffering violence and abuse at the hands of drunken husbands or babies starved and children resorted to petty crime grim yeah so melbourne was yeah i mean like lots of places in australia but melbourne in particular was like upper class and the lower class in this mm. time period yeah, because of the I, way the economy had kind of dispersed. I remember when we were talking about like McRobertson's, like the Australian yeah. Willy Wonka guy, that like that was a yeah. big thing that, you know, like that's why he made all his factories, like painted them white so they looked clean because they were in a really grubby industrial area. Yeah, yeah. it's a little bit Oliver Annie yeah. <laughs> times. Mm. <laughs> Hard-knocked life. Yeah. 
yeah, not to laugh, but yeah. <laughs> we did watch Annie recently. So. We did, um, and it was grim, mm. <laughs> but then delightful, mm. just like this tale. So, Vida vowed to never marry, which was a huge deal at mm-hmm. the time. But she was supposedly proposed to like over and over and over again because many accounts say that she was beautiful, like stunning, beautiful. But she was like, no thanks. Was she interested in the fellas? Look, we have no record of any kind of queer leanings. Like a lot of it has to do, queer leanings, a new book by Patty Nixon. (laughs) Um, A lot of it has to do on record anyway Mm. to do with her just being like, I'm going to be busy with my work. Sorry, Mm. I can't be a wife. So, yeah. Yeah. Ethel Richardson, however. (laughs) different story Mm. for another time (laughs) yeah like openly was like Mm. oh yeah you know Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so in 1891 Vida was 22 and she joined her mum in collecting signatures for the women's suffrage petition which again huge deal so the women's suffrage petition um, was tabled in parliament in 1891 with the support of the premier at the time so this is in victoria Mm -hmm. and essentially they were seeking the right for women to have the vote were they specific in which women well in i'll get to that okay cool i'll get to that in this uh petition yeah just women Mm -hmm. just women but yes we get to that when it becomes federal Mm-hmm. So the they collected 30,000 signatures on this petition. That's quite a is, few. Yeah, it was the biggest ever at the time. And the actual, because it's a physical thing, like yeah. <laughs> the internet wasn't a thing. So the original petition is approximately 260 metres long. Wow. Yeah. And it's made with paper pasted to cotton or linen fabric. So they've like glued fabric and attached fabric and then attached Oh, so they did like so they could roll it up rather than stacking it. Yeah. So it's like a rolled spindle. Cool. Yeah. Um, it takes three people three hours to unroll the petition. Wow. Wow. Today. Like if people are like, I need to have a look at it, they're like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> It's not just like um, like a kite or a fishing line where you can just like hold it and someone else runs. I assume they have to be a bit more no. careful. Yeah. Like roll yeah. it along the ground like a rug. Yeah. So that's good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then so then throughout the 90s, so like a couple of years after this, um, and by the 90s I mean the 1890s, mm-hmm. <laughs> She Vida worked with the National Anti-Sweating League. Um, the who now? The National Anti-Sweating League. Okay, and what were what were their goals as an organisation? <laughs> well, they were anti-sweatshop and um, oh, for working Okay, for they weren't like selling deodorant. No, but I know, but mm. it is. It's quite the title. Yeah. And so during this time, she hung out with Annette Bear Crawford, who was a suffragist and federal federationist, um, because we're approaching federation here. 
and they lobbied together on many social issues. Is Bear a nickname or is that a part of her last name? Her last name, Bear Crawford. Okay, it's not like Anne, commas, Bear Crawford. I know, but that would actually be pretty dope. Mm. The Bear. She yeah. should be called The Bear because she mm. did a lot too. But um, Annette actually died in 89. Oh. Yeah, so, so just approaching, that just before the 90s, she's hanging out with Annette and then mm-hmm. Annette dies. And then during the 90s, this is when Vida really steps up to take on a larger role in this movement. Mm-hmm. So a year later, um, Goldstein championed the cause of a young woman who was sentenced to death for um, her baby drowning in the Yarra River. Oh. Yeah, and there was this huge kind of like campaign around this woman saying that she did it on purpose and, you know, a lot of the evidence was just really anecdotal and, yeah. But Goldstein organised this massive media blitz and letter-writing campaign being like, nah, this is double standards because she's a woman. This is basically saying this is bullshit. You can't. Yeah. yeah. Um, I actually couldn't find out what happened to the woman in the end, but it was a big deal for Vida's public image. Mm. Yeah. And she learns a lot about how to run a public campaign in this time. We're going to time jump for a second because alongside all of this and what Vida's doing in Victoria and then kind of nationally, shit's going down in South Australia. Which is a which is important and a big deal. So we'll jump back to so eighteen ninety-four, on the eighteenth of December, the South Australian Parliament passes the Constitutional Amendment Adult Suffrage Act, which essentially gives women the right to vote in South Australia. Um, which was a really, really big deal. Was it by accident? Well, (laughs) this is the hilarious tale so it was a like the media around it obviously like you can just imagine leading up to this so many parliamentarians felt that women weren't capable of participating in politics because of their emotions um and other people felt that they were stepping outside of their traditional roles you know that they're undermining their husbands you know the usual the usual nonsense however in 1894, the Labor Party take government mm-hmm. and they're like, all right, we're going to do it. We're going to support the right for women to vote. We're going to get it done. Cool. <laughs> and so, yeah, have you seen Ms. Represented on yes, the ABC? I did watch yes. that. Yes. So I'm going to tell the tale that they tell at the beginning of that series and it is an excellent, excellent show and everyone listening needs to go and watch mm misrepresented on ABC iView immediately after this episode. So (laughs) this woman called Mary Lee, she collects nearly 12,000 signatures to present to the South Australian Parliament in support of this bill. And the Premier, Charles Kingston, so this Labor Premier. um, Any relation to the biscuit? (laughs) Not that I'm aware of, but maybe we can do a a fact check. Mm. (laughs) We're going to do an Arnott's episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so um, he came from money, but he loved guns and was often shunned 
by the political elite. Like think of a more refined Clive Palmer personality. It's not it's not like, difficult to think of a more refined version. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh. So like bold personality but rich. And he was a pistol fighter and a womanizer. And he was actually on parole for challenging an enemy to a duel when he became premier. Wow. Righto. Yeah. Classic. And so he agrees to legislate the adult suffrage bill, which is the votes for women mm-hmm. bill. However, an outspoken opponent, Ebenezer Ward, who is an ex journo he worries that the vote for women would equal a ban on alcohol and he is known to love a drink. So he's like, nah, not happening. Wow. So one of them, pew, pew, shooting guns, the other one, drinking. Alcoholic. Those are the sides. Okay. And like rocking up to parliament drunk. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, Ebenezer's ploy was to amend the bill to not just allow women the vote but the right to stand for parliament. Wow. Because he reckons no one will support this. He's like, no way will anyone vote Ah. for that. (laughs) But the bill actually does pass, (laughs) massively so. And South Australian women are the only women in the world who can stand for government. Wow. Purely by accident. How long did that last? Um, I don't know the next place that. I mean, did they? They didn't repeal it. No, hmm. no, no. It actually gets, yeah. Mm. Meanwhile, while all of this is happening, Vida becomes secretary for the United Council for Women's Suffrage and a public speaker on women's issues touring Australia, Europe, and the US. So her previous campaign that she did for that woman accused of manslaughter Mm. like kind of you know leads her to become this international icon basically spending lots of time on boats i guess i imagine so yes and she would draw a crowd so like town halls and venues would be completely full so she must have been quite engaging and women must have been quite enraged Mm. Um, and like she's hot and charismatic as well she's a babe yeah Mm. smart hot knows how to run a campaign, perfect candidate. Mm. So she continues to tour America um, while the vote in South Australia happens and then she comes back to Australia and then she goes back out to America and all of this happens. But also in 1901, a couple of years after South Australia gets the vote, Australia becomes a federation and that then becomes a turning point for women to be able to fight in a united front nationally Mm. for them to get the federal vote. And so in 1902, that actually happened. So Australia becomes the first country in the world to give white women both the right to vote in federal elections and to stand for federal parliament. Mm. And were there conditions on, I mean, obviously we've said white women, but is it of a certain age or like? Yeah, yeah. So there are conditions. So um, first and foremost, like we are the second country to ever do this. So New Zealand gave women the vote in 1893, but they had to wait until 1919 to enter government themselves. So we mm-hmm. are the only country in the world where women can stand for federal parliament. Mm-hmm. Um, however, yes, this is the amendments that happen. So in South Australia, like anyone 
could vote. Um, obviously, like, I imagine that there would be scenarios where people rock up to vote and they get turned away and stuff like that. But legally, everyone could vote. But in this um, federal bill, that is not the case. And so Indigenous people um, can't vote. And it's actually this awful thing where Indigenous men, they had actually gained the right to vote in South Australia in 1856 Mm. and lost that right because of this bill. And then on top of that, other non-white Australians, including people from Asia and Africa and the Pacific, like they cannot Mm. vote. And so it's this awful thing where it's like one step forward in one regard, 20 steps back in other regards. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just important to note yeah. that. Um, but alongside that, it's this wild thing where, yeah, briefly Australia, at least on the women's issue, is one of the most progressive countries in the world. Mm. Yeah. Wild. Yeah, pretty interesting to think of now. Mm, (laughs) Literally the first country in the world where women can stand for parliament. Um, Yeah, at least in the, you know, westernised, recognised democracies Mm. of government anyway. So then in 1902, when this has just happened, Vida returns from America and she is actually one of the four women who nominate themselves to stand for election mm-hmm. and they are the like the first in the British Empire to do so so she's like all right it's happening mm-hmm. um <laughs> so she runs as an independent she refuses to join any party mm-hmm. she's like no nope, this is my own thing um but she is assisted by the women's federal political association which is basically like the, a lobby group and this association has been formed to organise, yeah, these women's women candidates essentially and assist women being able to vote across the first time that they're able to. She is publicly ridiculed, um, which isn't a surprise, but she still right. obtained over 50,000 votes, which for the population at the time was actually a decent chunk. Mm, that's good. Yeah, so rather than being like, man, that's shit, she picks herself back up and she learns from all of that and the Women's Political Association becomes more and more formalised and more and more of a united front across the country so that they're able to be more effective in their campaigning. And she actually, Vida herself, runs a newspaper, a monthly paper called The Women's Sphere until 1905 to kind of get the ball rolling yeah <laughs> it's a sphere yes rolling. sphere yeah, rolling mm. anyway she stands for parliament again in 1910 1913 and 1914 always as an independent woman candidate mm. mm-hmm. during world war one vita was no budging, no compromising. Um, she became the chairman or chairwoman of the Peace Alliance and formed the Women's Peace Army in 1915. And she was involved in a lot of lobbying against the war, but also supporting women who had been left by themselves um, 
to yeah fend for themselves on the home front and then she also represented Australia at a women's peace conference in Zurich and she was away for three years to do that trip oh that would have been pleasant Switzerland's really nice yeah yeah but she's I mean, busy you know she's a very yeah but hmm. Switzerland Europe Europe during the war times <laughs> Switzerland though probably yeah, still all right. it's probably the one place where it was mm. like, well, neutral. Yeah, um, <sighs> yeah I, I don't know about World One so much. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this this trip kind of, like internationally she's doing this amazing stuff, but she loses some of her, her momentum back at home. Mm, three years, yeah. Yeah, it's a long time. And so then her fifth and her final bid to run for the government was in 1917 and she ran for a Senate seat and she did not get many votes. Um, she lost votes because she was a pacifist and was fighting for peace and people mm. were like, that is not the vibe right now. Mm. So, yeah, yeah. She always campaigned on like independent and massively left-wing platforms so, like, it would mean that at first she got a lot of, of support, but then she lost support as the years passed because she just she didn't compromise on any of her values. Mm. She just kind of was like, no, this, these are my beliefs and I'm sticking by them and I'm just doing my thing because I believe in them. Um, but it meant that she alienated party supporters. So, you know, people from the Labor Party and the Labor movement were often aligned with a lot of the stuff that she was doing, but because she was running her own race, she wouldn't attract their votes a lot of the time. Mm. Um, Not great at team yeah. sports, I imagine. No, no, but she supported the principles of equal rights, equal pay, um, the appointment of women to many different roles. Um, the introduction of legislation which would help redispute the country's wealth. Um, she was very opposed to capitalism in any kind of form. She thought that the government, you know, needed to maintain public control of public utilities. Mm -hmm. She opposed the white Australia policy. So she herself was, um, yeah, like, supportive on that front mm. as well um but she did a note to like an important note is that she did kind of believe that equal pay and equal work had to be achieved first before they could let more and more immigrants in like that was a, a belief that she had for some reason mm. do this first and then let them in I don't know yeah, it's like she's progressive for the time yeah yeah but, yeah, she refused to join any kind of party, even though she publicly sympathised deeply with the Labor Party and the working class. She was like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> and she described herself as a Democrat with a vision of society which would enable the complete equality of women. So, hmm. yeah. Um, she never got elected. So even though women got the right to run for parliament, it actually took quite a while for that to happen and even still <laughs> like the ratio is appalling um, oh, yeah. like at one point tony abbott's cabinet had less women in it than the afghanistan was that when he was the minister for women <laughs> yeah yeah and afghanistan post taliban and also pre second taliban rule were like we have more 
women mm. in our cabinet. <sighs> but good news is her campaign secretary from her 1913 campaign, Doris Blackburn, was later elected to the Australian House of Representatives. Ah, oh, Doris. She was part of, yeah, so Doris joined the Labor Party, so she mm-hmm. she learnt how to get in. How to um, play with others. And, yeah, and she... She was in the House of Reps from 1946 to 1949, so a fairly short term, mm. but she was the second woman to ever do so after Enid Lyons. So, you know, basically you can argue that Vida created these pathways, not even just on an ideological front, but literally, mm. <laughs> like immediately you can see the effects. Yeah, Vida died of cancer at her home in South Yarra, the 15th of August 1949 and was cremated and her death was actually like not massively noted in media or press at the time like she's kind of she faded away a little bit from public life and then you know people are starting to talk about her again as we talk about women in Mm. parliament from a historical point of view but there is a portrait of her in the National Library of Australia in Canberra and obviously her legacy lives on in massive ways, you know, sent being the, like in the first group of women to ever stand for government. It's pretty long Australia, life. But in the world is a lot, is huge. Yeah, yeah, she lived for a while. A busy, yeah. busy long life too. Busy bee. Yeah, so that's the story of Vida Goldstein. Vida Goldstein, it's really fun to say. I picture her wearing fun, fun hats. I feel like it's the time where she would uh-huh. have. But I she hats. will post photos of her on socials. She's mm. She is a good-looking lady. Um, and she just got shit done. Mm. Like, yeah, she was uncompromising. <laughs> <laughs> but in many ways you could argue that that was actually what was needed, you know, like. It's those kind of trailblazers that hold the parties accountable, I think, sometimes. It's the person who's like, no, actually, I'm going to be uncompromising on a public platform. People are coming along for the ride. Mm. You have to as well. (laughs) I think, I mean, because, like, she's got good, like, values, that's fine. I feel like there are examples now of some people who do that in a not a good way. Oh, totally, yeah. The Craigs and the Um, Pauline of the world, not to... Yeah, it can be very effective to be like, I'm a lone rider, come Mm. with me and my crazy values. Um, (laughs) You know, sorry, Pauline, if you're listening and you want to sue me. Oh, God. Can you imagine if she listened to our podcast? Yeah, that's, I can't even, I think she'd get through half of the first episode and be like, this is not what I, this is not what it said it was on the tin. I I don't picture her as a podcast person. Or wearing headphones. No. I don't think. I don't know. <laughs> why, why, I don't know what that's about. Can't I, I can't say I've seen her wear headphones. I have seen her wear earmuffs beside a racetrack where the racing cars were really, really loud and then she almost falls to the ground when one goes past <laughs> her because it's so loud. Wow. And she's like, Ooh, yeah. It's a bit of entertainment viewing. Anyway, but yeah. Vida Goldstein. Good work. Yeah, let's not end on Pauline. Good God. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, that's part of the tale of how women got the right to vote. And then, of course, it wasn't until 1962 
that Indigenous men and women and people had the right to vote. 62. 62, many years later. Recently. That's when my mum was born. Yeah. Well. What well. are your sources, Maddie? <laughs> <laughs> my sources are the Australian Dictionary of Biographies, the Parliament of Victoria, National Committee of Australia, the Encyclopedia of Women and Leadership by Claire Wright, who I quoted earlier, Wikipedia, Ms. Represented from the ABC, the National Museum of Australia and the SBS. Cool. Mm. What are we doing next week? What am I going to learn about? Well, um, we're going to learn about the Hills Hoist. Uh, so the washing line, pretty much. It's a rotary rotary clothesline. Um, but I'll, I'll go into that in the episode. Um, right. Yeah. So Should can- I bring my laundry? I mean, if you want, don't don't post it to me or anything. It's not good audio content. But no, it'll be there. Um, that's nice. <laughs> it's relatable laundry. Yeah. But you can follow us on Instagram, see pictures of Vida Goldstein and others uh, at Australianorama, and yeah, send us a message, say hello, give us a, a say hi on Apple Podcasts if you want. Only a nice if there's one. something you want us to write about, if there's a topic that you're like, oh, my gosh, Maddie and Jess, you need to know about this, send it through. We love that. Yeah, if you've wondered about the history of a place and don't feel like looking it up, let us know well, and we'll, we can look we'll it up. We'll look it up for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Our Googling skills are 10 out of 10, baby. They're pretty good. I think they'd be transferable yeah. to any search platform. I mean, I don't know about Bing. I don't, I don't, I don't like her. Goodbye. Bye.